We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Labs, the best website in the universe for daily fantasy sports tools. At Fantasy Labs, you can use the same data and tools as the pros to backtest theories and build lineups. With industry-leading projections and tools, Fantasy Labs has everything you need to dominate DFS using your own personal models. Sign up now for a Fantasy Labs NFL account, and you'll get access to all the other sports for free, plus 50% off a five-day trial with the promo code FANTASYLAND. Fantasy Labs. DFS tools for smart players. It was a company called All Star Stats. They really were doing something else entirely. Roto World came out of uh, a company that used to literally send stat reports to people's fantasy leagues through the mail. And they would call up to the company, essentially make transactions like, if you want to cut Dave Nilsson, press one. And they would put together this stat package. This is all before the internet. It kind of evolved into an internet, you know, stat company, you know, taking care of people's fantasy leagues. And as an added service, they used to start doing player news as part of their service. And quickly, Roto World came out of that and ended up engulfing all-star stats and being much more valuable to them, the actual content that, that went with the fantasy. You are listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Overzet, and on this episode, we are going deep on Roto World, the site that powers the fantasy industry. If you play fantasy sports, the moment you discover Roto World is a game changer. 
It's like having the choice between the blue pill and the red pill in the Matrix. If you take the blue pill, you can return blissfully back to your life of setting your lineup once a week before kickoff and spending extended amounts of time with friends and family. Or you can take the red pill and go down the rabbit hole into a world where you might find yourself up late on a Friday night frantically Googling MCL sprain because RotoWorld reported Antonio Gates just suffered one. In 2008, I discovered RotoWorld and promptly took the red pill. I made the site my homepage and I never looked back. For fantasy nerds, RotoWorld isn't a luxury. It's a necessity we couldn't live without. We love and need the site to ensure we can gain that edge over our league mates. Needless to say, I had to tell myself to play it cool when I realized I would be interviewing all of the heavy hitters I've been reading for years on RotoWorld. One of those heavy hitters I got to speak with was Matthew Barry, who everyone knows as the face of ESPN's fantasy sports content. It's tough to imagine a time when he wasn't the most recognizable name in the industry and was instead just a fantasy player, hoping for a chance to write about the sport. I couldn't believe how excited I was to write for free on the internet. Again, remember back in the day in 1999, this was the, this was the age of dial-up. So CompuServe, Prodigy, AOL, you've got mail. Like that was a novel, exciting thing. People actually got excited that they got an email. I mean, they, they actually made a movie about it with Tom Hanks. Like he's all excited that he gets an email from Meg Ryan. Like that was the plot of the movie. You've got mail. Like that was a novel thing. So it was at the time being on the internet wasn't quote unquote any great thing, right? It was still much more prestigious to be writing for a magazine or for a newspaper, something printed. And I was making a pretty good living as a Hollywood screenwriter. But when I got the email back saying, hey, we'll give you a shot, I was doing backflips. Couldn't tell you how excited I was, which sort of gave me a hint right then and there that maybe I was in the wrong profession that even though I was getting paid nice money to write for TV and movie stars, I was super, super excited to write for free on the internet, and I had no idea if anyone was actually reading the site. RotoWorld would eventually serve as a launching pad for some of the biggest names in fantasy sports, and that doesn't even include the people who are one degree removed from RotoWorld, like the people Matthew Barry discovered when he first launched his site, Talented Mr. Roto. I basically was linking to that site from RotoWorld. I ended up making a deal with RotoWorld to write for RotoWorld in exchange for linking to my new site. And some of the kids that I found to come write for me found me because they were reading me on RotoWorld. Brad Evans, who's now at Yahoo, I gave him his first start at Talents of Mr. Roto, and he found me through RotoWorld. A guy named Pierre Bequet, he wrote under the name Pete Becker, but Pierre Bequet found me through my column on RotoWorld, and he now runs all fantasy content for ESPN and ultimately became the editor of, of Talents of Mr. Roto and uh, followed me uh, to ESPN. And again, he now runs all fantasy content, does a great job for us. So there's a couple of people that have longstanding careers in the fantasy industry uh, that started at Talents of Mr. Roto. And the reason they got to Talents of Mr. Roto was because they found me from Roto World. It's almost impossible to understate the importance that the Roto World news feed has for people in the fantasy industry. Take, for example, ESPN's Mike Clay whose reliance on that news feed only became really obvious to him when he started writing at RotoWorld. The worst thing about it, though, honestly, was the fact that I use them as a resource so much. So even when I was doing them, I had to make sure I didn't miss anything because I knew if I missed it, the other guys weren't there. You know, I'm used to every time there's some sort of piece of news, they have it covered. If you want news for pretty much any sport, 
their newsfeed is by far the best. They're, they're just outstanding. Even though the growth of fantasy sports has been a major catalyst for the growth of the NFL, there can still be an anti-fantasy attitude among some of the old school football people. Greg Rosenthal, who you heard at the very top of the show, spent nine years covering the NFL for NBC Sports and Roto World. He now works at NFL.com, where he's constantly reminded that Roto World news isn't just consumed by fantasy diehards. When I walk by people's desks here at the NFL, I see the Roto World news page up, and it always puts a smile on my face. And and I hear so many conversations. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, you know, did that happen or not? Let's check Roto World. Like, like that's the backstop for NFL news. I could go on and on with examples like that. And another one is, you know, at the NFL draft, you know, going by, you know, how they have the helmets, the teams there, like walking by those desks, like they will have Roto World on so many of their uh, screens and just emails from people that work for teams and GMs knowing about, not only knowing about it, but just that they use it for a resource seen on hard knocks like i once saw you know they're scrolling through roto world uh i think during the jet season or whatever it's like rex ryan looking for news about the darrell revis contract situation when he's you know in the middle of the darrell revis contract situation before we go any further we should say that this episode is a fantasy nerds history of roto world I'm sure if Forbes were telling the story, it might be different and include stuff about how much money the founders of the company made when they sold it. But this is the story as told by obsessed fantasy players. Seriously, you guys should see the Gchat transcripts between myself and our associate producer Pat Corain geeking out about these interviews. So the episode will tell the story of how Roto World became the gatekeeper for fantasy news and served as an incubator for some of the biggest names in fantasy sports. If you're not familiar with the name Rick Wolf, he's a Fantasy Sports Trade Association Hall of Famer, and his fingerprints are all over some of the most influential companies in fantasy sports. Back in the 1990s, he worked for Sportsline, which is better known today as CBS Sportsline. Then in the early 2000s, he joined Rich Pike and Mike Olivetto, who were the owners of a company called All Star Stats. He worked with them to grow the site into what we now know as Roto World in the business that was sold to NBC. Wolf helped us connect the dots between the business goals the site had in the early days and the impressive roster of writers they collected over the years. And I met some guys playing softball who left Prodigy in 89 to start All-Star Stats in, in uh, Somers, New York, and I was in White Plains. And then, you know, Sportsline stock goes down to one, and I leave there in 2001, and I go find my softball buddies, uh, Rich Pike and Mike Oliveto. And talk to them a little bit, and they say, "Well, what you know? Why don't you come and help us over at All Star Stats?" So I actually find All Star Stats, you know, a solid twelve years before I actually start working there because they're my softball friends who who found it, who started the company. When I got there, they had a guy named Matthew Pouliot who was, I think, he was nineteen, maybe he was twenty, and he was in Pensacola, Florida, and he was writing news for the All Star Stats users because he had been an All Star Stats league member. To me, the story of Roto World begins and ends with Matthew Puglio. He is a true unsung hero of the fantasy industry. He is deservedly a fantasy sports Hall of Famer, and he's just a truly special person. Rich and Mike had this 
commissioner service called All-Star Stats. And Matthew Pulitz said, hey, you guys should probably have some news to go along with this commissioner service. And Rich and Mike were like, yeah, okay, knock yourselves out. So in the early going, every blurb on every sport was written by Matthew Pouliot. I mean, it's unreal the amount of hours that guy put in to making Roto World what it is today. Rich and Mike didn't even care about Roto World. It wasn't until much later that they said, oh, wow, wow, we actually have something here. They weren't even paying attention. So they owe a tremendous amount of debt and gratitude to uh, Matthew Pouliot, who basically made those two guys rich, uh, multimillionaires. While Pouliot had his head down cranking out blurbs, Barry had free reign to do what he wanted. Well, at least at the beginning. I was just given the the backdoor password. Like I could just basically go up, put up whatever I wanted and publish it to the site. And, you know, there was nobody to double check me to check to make sure I wasn't, you know, disparaging anyone or, um, you know, something that would get a company in trouble. I did get edited after a while. I got edited uh, in two couple of places. So number one, as I remember, I was trying to come up with a name for my column. And I wanted to call myself the Roto Whore because I thought that was sort of funny and edgy. And I was in a billion leagues at that time. And they didn't want it because they claimed Roto World was a family-friendly site, which is fine, except in those days, all their advertising was offshore betting sites with half-naked women. And I was like, really? You're going you're gonna to bust my stones about the Roto Whore, but you've got half-naked women all over your site for offshore betting? But they ended up doing me a favor, obviously, because I then went back to uh, the drawing board, ultimately came up with Talented Mr. Roto as my column name. And that certainly has proved very fortunate throughout my career, kind of a memorable, goofy name. Uh, and certainly I think would have, you know, has done a much better than I think ultimately the Roto Horror would have been as my career progressed. Well, I, I like Barry's irreverence. The other guys, some of the other guys didn't. And remember, we had a network and a league as partners. And when Barry's columns were automatically transmitted to Fox and posted on Fox.com, FoxSports.com. They were upset at the way he treated pop culture icon Jennifer Lopez. I remember one time I made a joke about Jennifer Lopez, and I don't even remember what the joke was, but it was something about J-Lo's butt or something like that. I'm sure it wasn't a particularly good joke, but whatever. It was. I was very much steeped in, in pop culture. And it's hilarious to look back and think about this, but at the time, FoxSports.com had a deal with Rotoworld. So Rotoworld columns would appear on FoxSports.com. And... Fox, I mean, think about Fox, right? It's Fox, like they're edgy. They're Fox. And yet mine was the only column they wouldn't take. They took every other column from Roto World, including a couple of columns that frankly read like they'd been written by fifth graders. Um, and they took them all, but they wouldn't take mine. They were very controversial. And um, Rick had my back. You know, I love Rick Wolf. He's a dear friend. Uh, he's, you know, in the Fantasy Sports Hall of Fame and deservedly so. And, you know, he fought for me. There were these two guys that owned Roto World, Rich and Mike, uh, and they just, they did not get me and kept trying to sort of shut me down. I didn't think I was good for the site. And Rick Wolf, to his credit, along with Matthew Pouliot, but especially Rick, would fight for me and say like, no, I think this kid has something. I think he's got a unique voice. He gets a lot of clicks. People like him. So, you know, he was able to, uh, he's able to hold them off for uh, about four and a half years until they fired me. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is and, and, you know, it's a business. So, you know, the business decision was protecting our partners. And at the end of the day, you know, Roto World, All Star Stats and Sandbox were sold to a major media company. And, you know, all of us did fine. Um, do I have some regrets? Yeah, I would have loved to have worked with Matthew my whole career. I mean, I think he's one of the best guys around. But 
Um, from a business standpoint, I think Roto World All Star Stats and Sandbox did fine. Rick Wolf also emphasized for us how important the hire of Greg Rosenthal was for the site in the early days. But what Rosenthal did, he took football on in the same way that Pouliot had taken on baseball and wrote tons and tons of news coverage, uh, covered the draft better than anybody had for us. The raw commodity of, of sports news was what drove our partnerships. I was hired by Roto World in 2003. And I was the first full-time football writer for them. It they barely had football content before that. Uh, it was basically just this guy, Matthew Poliat, who almost did all of the sports all at once, which is insane. So I was really only the second full-time person they hired at all. And that was two or three years before NBC bought Roto World, uh, which was 2005, 2006. And... At that point, we, you know, we became part of NBC. But to tell you like what it was like being the only person that did all the blurbs, around four or five months into it, I moved down to New York City, which was about an hour, hour and a half south of where the office was. You know, I was young and it was not a good place to live just up in the middle of the suburbs. And I didn't have to go to work every day. And they were always, they were almost anxious about me coming to work at all. I only went once or twice a week because if I left work at 6 or 7 p.m. and something happened in that hour, hour and a half, we didn't necessarily have anyone to cover it. So so if someone was arrested or, you know, we would always make jokes if Peyton Manning tears his ACL or if something happens and I'm just on the train, there's no Wi-Fi at that point. It possibly just doesn't get written on the site at all until I'm back in my apartment. But my thing, just in terms of the football, the football content was cover it deeper than any other site out there that we're going to cover every single player. And it wasn't a fantasy site necessarily. It was a fantasy and news site, because I think that's where we really got our traffic was people coming round the clock. Like we realized quickly people have an insatiable appetite for this stuff. You could not write news small enough. You could not write news often enough to satisfy what people wanted. Like people just wanted it all day, every day. And I knew that because I was out there looking for it, waiting for Adam Schefter to be on NFL Total Access to come on for five minutes. And he would have three or four things to say. And immediately I would, you know, write those blurbs. And it was like, you were, people were just out there starving. And we knew it was kind of an underserved market in that if we just kept almost putting a deluge out there of everything we can possibly learn. Other places were not doing that. Like I knew that I was confident that no one was reading more uh, than us. And I started hearing from more and more writers and people in the industry and agents and stuff like that, where they were coming to me. And I started to realize like, we've got a nice little hub here more than, than just about any place out there. So to just keep that going and hope the people smarter than me, can figure out ways to start making money on this. And it and it turned like a dime. They went from, you know, I think being in real trouble as a company to NBC buying them for a lot of money in a pretty short amount of time. It just it just sort of flipped when internet advertising changed. It would be easy to just give Matthew Poliot credit for cranking out blurbs when the site was in its infancy. But when you consider the impact he had on current senior football editor, Evan Silva, it's clear that Poliot's influence is even more extensive. 
throughout college, I always read this website called Roto World. I actually read it for the baseball blurbs because the blurb writer, Matthew Poliot, was, I mean, I, he's a, he was a freaking genius. And, you know, he had read Bill James and he was good at like viewing players from a projection standpoint. And I thought that that was really cool. And I also thought it was cool how he would add snark to some of the, some of the Roto World blurbs. Like I thought they were legitimately funny. When I got out of college, I continued to read these blurbs and I started emailing people at Roto World and I, and I eventually got in contact with Greg Rosenthal and I sent him all these like depth charts and all, all this different stuff that I had written over the years, like during my Christmas breaks and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I wanted to show him that I was really, really passionate about sports and I didn't really even care what sport I was going to write about. There's a lot of different ways you can get in. Evan Silva got in another tried and true way, which is just being a pain in the ass. He just would not stop emailing me. And I wasn't really like that eager to hire him in particular. He didn't have much on his resume. He didn't really have much to show me, but he did not stop bugging me. I don't know how long it went on for, it could have been years for all I know until he just sort of broke me down and he got a, a little bit of a chance. And even then when it was like a little bit of a chance, he was always pushing for more and more of a chance and he just refused to be outworked. But he gave me the opportunity to write on Roto World's football page uh, for free, which I did for about six months. I don't know how long it went on for, but I feel like it went on for a while. That I not only did not try to hire him for a while, but that after he was a part-time employee, he had to still, like a very part-time employee, he had to still keep kind of just pushing for more and more until I. it almost was just easier to tell him, okay, fine, you know, fine, here's your chance. So when the football season rolled around, Greg Rosenthal was like, Yo, we'll we'll hire we'll hire you on, you know, full time, which meant like five hundred dollars a week at the time, uh, maybe even less than that. And it was Greg Rosenthal and I doing every single player blurb and writing pretty much every single article. Actually, Aaron Gleeman, who's better known as a baseball writer at the time, also uh, wrote football articles, but he didn't do many blurbs. It was just me and Rosenthal. I barely remember, but he was the first full-time guy that I added. There, We kind of ran through a lot of people. You know, people would help over from the baseball side. And I went through a lot of people that didn't work out. It was a weird thing trying to find someone that was good at blurb writing. You could not tell from the resume or even from talking to them. I would never know if they would be good at it or not. Like, it had nothing to do with if they had experience or if they had a journalism background, it usually was just you had to like let them do it and figure out if they were good at it. And Evan was great at it right away. Another Roto World hire who was great right away was Chris Wessling. You'll hear in a minute how he got his start at Roto World. But the crazy thing is that this story ends with Wessling now working alongside Rosenthal at NFL.com. I hired Chris Wessling off of a ridiculous like 50,000 word or 30,000 <laughs> word message board post that he put into the football guys dynasty league message board he's exaggerating it's 
I want to say it started out 2004 or 2005 on the football guys' message boards. It was a dynasty rankings thread. And the original one was about 3,000 words. You know, I, I asked for samples. I was always asking for writing samples because I was always hiring. And he sent me that as his writing sample. I knew he was going to be one of my best hires ever just off that because it was an awesome breakdown. It was literally like a 1 to 200 dynasty league breakdown of tiers and strategy and why certain players were good and weaknesses and it was all there on the page. I could see everything from Wes, that he was a good writer, that he had good ideas, and he really knew football, and he had a good innate sense for football, which that that's a tough thing to find, too. That's probably the toughest thing to find. And from that article is how I started doing news shifts. Greg just reached out and said, hey, do you want to start trying this, too? It happened really quickly. Um, that summer, I think it was the summer of 2007, I had recently moved from Cincinnati to Tybee Island, Georgia. Couldn't find a job, was going back to school. I, I had reached the point where I was going to start delivering pizza. Uh, I think I was like 32 years old. The, the week I was training to deliver pizza, Greg said, hey, do you want to do, do this full time? I know you've been trying these blurbs for a little bit. Why don't you start working 40 hours a week and just doing this full time? And I said, you know what? You don't have to tell me twice. Went from you know something I was doing for a couple of weeks to Greg saying, well, you seem to have a knack for it. Why don't you just do it full time? Chris Wessling lived in, on Tybee Island in Georgia. He was kind of like a hippie. I mean, that's how I envision him. I mean, I've, I've actually never even met him in real life, but he was kind of like a, a free spirit. That's funny. I am definitely a person who likes to have fun, but I, I don't think there's a hippie bone in my body. Uh, I just ended up there because um, my ex-roommate in Cincinnati ended up being the mayor of Tybee Island. So <laughs> wow. I sort of had an end to go visit and hang out and fell in love with it. And my ex-girlfriend and I just decided to save money for a year and make the move. So I am a live and let live guy, but not not a hippie. But he has an incredible, incredible knowledge about football. And if you are a listener to the NFL Around the League podcast, you know. And I mean, I think even the other guys on the show know that this dude knows football. A news service like Roto World has to report on things almost around the clock sometimes at very early hours. When Silva found Adam Leviton, who is now a DraftKings analyst and writer for Fantasy Labs, Evan quickly found a spot for him in the rotation. Adam Leviton has like an incredible work ethic and he's like a morning person. So he eventually settled into the role of being a morning blurber. And he had a bunch of different jobs at the time. You know, it wasn't just Roto World. Uh, well, Evan and Wes definitely weren't uh, down to get up early or would prefer not to get up early. I think it's different for Evan now. Like he's always up early now. But but back then, I think, you know, nobody really wanted to do it. And I was more than happy to uh, be the morning guy, which meant, you know, start on news at 8 a.m. And I would just start reading all the newspapers. And I kind of liked that. You know, I was a journalism uh, major in college. I worked for newspapers. I liked newspapers. I always thought growing up I was going to be a beat writer. So you know, the job description was to read every newspaper's NFL section every day and, you know, go through the notebooks and try to find information. This was uh, before Twitter. Like when I first started at Roto World, there was no such thing as as Twitter. So like if there was information to be had out there, it wasn't a tweet from somebody. It was in the next day's paper, which sounds crazy now. But like back then, like you actually had to read through the paper to find out, uh, you know, some nugget about a depth chart change or something like that. Like it wasn't um, just so readily available. You had to read through the newspaper. So I thought I was pretty good at that, getting up and reading through all, 
all the newspapers. And then, you know, obviously that job evolved because you had to monitor Twitter and read the newspapers, which turned out to be a lot of work. And and the newspapers kind of slowly uh, took a back burner because so much was going on on Twitter. But yeah, I think, you know, me being the morning guy, uh, I was always, as long as I can remember, I always started at eight when, uh, when I was doing Roto World News for sure. Okay, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but when we return, we'll have more about the rise of Roto World, including stories about some of the site's best blurbs over the years. So before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Untucket. The holidays are almost here. You know what that means. It is gifts. We're just past Halloween. We're already looking ahead to the holiday season. Now, what better gift than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Uh, that is one of my favorite things about it is I, I like that casual look most of the time. we, you know, If I'm getting dressed up, maybe we'll tuck it in, but I, I usually wear the shirts untucked. Untucket shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter what your size, so it looks casual and sharp. No matter what your shape or size, untucked shirts will always fall to the perfect untucked length. And what's even better, you can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their itty brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just looking to look smart and relaxed in your own style on it is the way to go visit on today and use the code blue for 20 percent off at checkout that's u-n-t-u-c-k-i-t.com and use the code blue for 20 percent off once again that is on Support for today's show also comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, their Lawnmower 2.0. It has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are a thing of the past. Thank <laughs> That's thankful news, I guess, for all of us men out there. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Be sure to always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping once again at manscaped.com. Use the code BLUEWIRE. Roto World, of course, isn't the only site to do fantasy news. There are a lot of them. But it's the mix of news and personality that makes Roto World unique. Evan Silva says no one is better at bringing that mix than Patrick Doherty, or Roto Pat, as he's known on Twitter. I would say that our best snark writer at this point is definitely Roto Pat, Patrick Doherty. He's just a really gifted writer, and he he can be funny in a way that doesn't offend people, and he can be funny in a way that he's still passing along information, but you know he's willing to make fun of teams or general managers or in a lighthearted way, but but still a really funny way. But I, I will say that eight times out of ten, if not nine times out of ten, it's it's Patrick Doherty who's making the joke that that people are passing around on Twitter. If you were writing a recipe for a great blurb, Pat has a few ingredients you would need to include. You know, it's got to be direct. It can't be cluttered. Uh, clearly, it has to be accurate. Uh, you got to have one or two kernels of information that aren't, you know, just straight up boilerplate stuff. Like, 
you know, so-and-so has six touchdowns, try to find maybe a funny stat or two. And then it's got to have, you know, a, a sense of flair. It's got to be accurate, concise, you know, one or two things that you might not necessarily think of on first reference. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to be funny. And we never, you know, we never like, uh, well, intentionally, like, you know, we're going to go get the Raiders. We like to have fun, but clearly we have to abide by some sense of professionalism. So I would say we never intentionally cross into the realm of, uh, for the favorite Twitter word of being biased against the team. For Rosenthal, it's the snark that makes Roto World fun and unique. And it's football. You can't take it too seriously. And, you know, one of the things that's cool about Roto World is it is outside. It shouldn't want to be inside sources things get compromised believe me i i see it one of the insane things about roto world blurbs is that they aren't just reporting on players you would consider fantasy relevant they are covering virtually every single player in the league which is crazy say you play in a standard 10 or 12 team redraft league with 15 roster spots that's only 150 to 180 or so players that are actually relevant to your league, plus whatever's on the waiver wire. Hell, even if you are in a 12-team dynasty league with 25 roster spots, that's still only 300 relevant players. But there are almost 1,700 players in the NFL, and Roto World covers nearly every single one of them. You get a sense from talking to the writers that sometimes the snark is just an attempt to maintain sanity at a job that requires them to cover lots of players that no one cares about. In that attempt to maintain sanity, you might see writers like Roto Pat take some liberties. Former Colts receiver Griff Whalen has been referred to as a catch-and-fall specialist, which is just so perfectly scathing. And you'll also rarely see Dolphins running back Daniel Thomas written up without his full name reading Fumblin' Dan Thomas. And sometimes that attempt to mix things up goes wrong, even when the blurb is using a coach's actual birth name. So one thing I started was Norv Turner's real name is Norval. We instituted a policy of only referring to Norv Turner as Norval Turner in every blurb and just referring to him by his full length birth name. And for, for some reason, that just seemed just to drastically confuse all the readers. The Chargers are still considering head coach Norval Turner's fate. <laughs> it just confuse everyone. Yeah, I, I think some people just they legitimately would refuse to believe that it was actually his name. And like, you know, you know people uh, aren't big on doing research for firing off angry emails. And <laughs> then uh, the normal thing might honestly be what I, we got, like the single most emails about that I can remember, like of something I was doing. That, that was a, that was one talking to him from the boss. It was like, guys, you got to stop calling Norval Norval and only call him Norv. For Adam Leviton... Blurb writing sometimes meant sneaking in references from his favorite prestige television show. Yeah, there was a, a, a kind of a journeyman offensive lineman. His name was Joe Barksdale. And, uh, you know, kind of at the height of The Wire's popularity. And if you follow The Wire, you know that there was a whole season dedicated to the rise of Marlo Stanfield over the Barksdale family. And, and I did a blurb um, under Joe Barksdale, which, you know, generally speaking, nobody really cares about. But in the opinion, you know, in the bottom part of the blurb, I, I wrote this whole thing about his war with Marlo Stanfield and why uh, he might be tired from the war. And that's why he wasn't playing well and not getting a contract. And I didn't think anybody would notice it. But then I got a whole bunch of people on Twitter being like, oh, who wrote the, uh, you know, the wire uh, blurb under Joe Barksdale? That was amazing. So, yeah, that was one of my favorite ones that I wrote. Yeah. 
I said something uh, kind of offhand as a joke in the chat, and uh, then like five minutes later, it was in a blurb on the website. So the, the blurb was talking about how Adrian Peterson's knee, the, he had less wear and tear than a newborn baby, was a quote from Dr. James Andrews. So I, I gave my theory to Chris Wessling on how that might be possible, and he stuffed it in the bottom of the blurb here with, Road World's Pat Darty suggests Peterson's knees are made of a rare metal found in a comet that crashed to Earth in a Norwegian forest. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, that when you work from home, those are kind of like your little highlights, uh, things like that. But uh, I will say one of my favorite things, I always tell Evan one of my favorite things to do is to get to sarcastically put things in quotes. Like uh, when Mike Malarkey said they wanted to run the exotic Smash Mouth. Like, or when you can say, like, you know, Jets coach Rex Ryan insists Mark Sanchez's job has, quote unquote, never been safer. When you are writing as many blurbs as Pat or Adam, it makes sense to want to have fun with them. It's not hard to envision how cranking out blurbs could sometimes feel like a grind, which is something Greg Rosenthal says you have to be able to embrace if you want to do this type of thing for a living. Evan and Poliot and Chris and myself and anyone that wants to kind of do fantasy news, you have to have some appreciation or tolerance for the hamster wheel for just keeping it going all the time that like you, you're not going to get tired of news that you like news because you have to like getting home at 8 p.m. after being on the train for 90 minutes and like be ready to update the site again or get home on the weekend after having some beers on Saturday night or something and see that something happened and just like always, always being on top of that. No one was more devoted to this hamster wheel than Matthew Poliot, who you've heard mentioned by a lot of the guys throughout this episode. We weren't able to talk to him for the show, but Rick Wolf told us that not even matters regarding Poliot's own finances could distract him from cranking out a breaking news blurb. We knew we were going to be bought by somebody. So we said, we got to lock up some guys. We got to lock up Pouliot to a four, three or four year contract. We got to make sure we get Rosenthal to a three or four year contract. And so I called up Matthew to have a conversation with him. And you can figure out exactly what day it is because we're on the phone for like 10 minutes and I'm making the first contract of his life and hopefully giving him security. And he goes, oh, crap, Rick. Roberto Alomar just got traded. I got to go. Hung up the phone. <laughs> Incredible. That just tells you the kind of passionate guy he was. Because most of Roto World's writers live in different parts of the country, most of them haven't actually ever met each other face to face, despite having spent hundreds and hundreds of hours in the online trenches working together on the site. Here's another view of kind of how small Roto World was. I never met Wes until I hired him at the NFL and we moved out to LA together. I mean, he worked for me. <laughs> he worked for me for three or four years at Roto World. Like they never even flew those guys up. Oh my God. I still have not met Evan Silver. Almost 10 years since we first met on, this was AOL or Instant Messenger. That's, that's what we used back then. But I still haven't met anyone but Greg. I never met, I didn't meet Evan Silva for the solid, a solid two or three years into him working for us. 
That said, both Leviton and Doherty have had the pleasure of hanging out with Evan Silva in real life. And by hanging out, I mean trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've met Evan a few times, um, and he's a wild guy for sure. And I met up with uh, with Pat, and uh, those are great guys. Evan knows one speed, and uh, he's not you know he's a challenging person to drink with. He you know I, he does not drink very often, but when he does drink, he goes full tilt, and he likes to do shots. I think he only saves the shots for the special occasion. The special occasions. But, uh, and so, you know, but every time I see Evan, it's a special occasion. And Evan is probably twice my size. I'm like five foot nine and he's like seven foot two. So sometimes when we, we go out on the town, uh, the next day I am the opposite of out on the town and I'm curled up in the fetal position on the couch. For those of you out there like me who live and breathe fantasy football, Reading Roto-World is part of your daily routine. If the NFL ever went away, I honestly think I'd be more bummed about not getting to play fantasy and obsessively track Roto-World's football coverage than I would about not watching football. There isn't a week that goes by during the season where I don't specifically block off time to check out Pat's weekly ranks or read Silva's epic matchup column. Luckily, fantasy sports continues to grow at a rapid pace, and I don't have to worry about Roto World going anywhere. Fantasy sports really started exploding, you know, 2005, 2006, and then just kept going up and up exponentially. But before that, like, I would have to ask people if they knew what fantasy sports was when I, you know, the first few years I was in. Forget knowing what Roto World was, because I just assumed they guys or girls would not know it necessarily. Um, I would ask people if they know what fantasy sports was. And and women and men did not necessarily even really understand what fantasy sports was. I mean, I had to explain it to a lot of people. I had to explain it. My in-laws are from Japan, and it's like I didn't even try to explain it to them. (laughs) It's like I write about football. Even before I worked at Roto World, my dream was like working at Roto World. And, you know, most people aspire higher than working for a fantasy sports website. But, yeah, it's like somewhere after probably only a few months at Fanball, like it was like my secret dream to work for Roto World. In my mind, the seminal event was the 2011 lockout. When the lockout ended and there was this land grab like, you know, Oklahoma back in the 19th century. And I remember Silva and I were working nearly around the clock. I think at one point I put in, I was putting in a hundred hour work weeks because back then you were getting news overnight. So we were, it was basically Silva and I tag teaming and making sure we had uh, two of our best people on at all time and really covering comprehensively everything going on with the lockout and that land grab for players. You know, I was proud of the way we handled that. I still think they're the best. I, I know that there were other sites that were pumping out more volumes of information, but I felt for instincts. And um, getting ahead of the curve, Roto World was always the premier site. And I think it's still, you know, you see clips from Hard Knocks or something and you see GMs or scouts have Roto World up on their computers. And I, and I think that's still the go-to site for quick, cogent news updates. I think that's their number one legacy and always will be. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's the thing that every single fantasy player needs, you know, like people would say to me, um, you know, they were using Roto World as a verb. They would come to me and say, hey, you know, somebody offered me a trade. And I was like, hang on a sec, let me Roto World him real quick. And, and you know, before anybody does anything with their team, they go to Roto World and not only make sure that the guy isn't hurt, 
you know, or anything like that, but to make sure that we like a guy or and if we don't like a guy, um, why we don't like a guy. And you can also use the Roto World spin to your advantage in a contrarian way because you know that people are reading those blurbs and if you kind of disagree with the spin that's put on in the opinion part of the of the Roto World blurb, you can use that to your advantage as well. So, I mean, it's it's interesting, I think, how you can, you know, how, how useful these bits of information are. It's obviously one of the key parts of the growth of the fantasy industry. Uh, there's many, many milestones. But the fact that so many people from Roto World that got their start at Roto World, like a Matthew Puglio, like a Rick Wolf, that are in the fantasy sports Hall of Fame, the Fantasy Sports Trade Association Hall of Fame, the Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Fame. You know, I'm I'm on that list as well. And you think about people like you mentioned, Greg Rosenthal. You think about Evan Silva, uh, Chris Wessling, who I think is terrific, that have come out of Roto World. Uh, it's it's truly amazing. They're one of the pillars of the fantasy industry in terms of what they mean uh, to the industry at large and to what fantasy has become. If you're sitting there trying to do a Mount Rushmore of the fantasy industry among fantasy sites. It's right up there. Well, I mean, for me, it's about the people. It usually is. You know, we were brothers in the trenches, in the foxhole, fighting the good fight, doing good stuff every day, working, working hard together, working long hours together. And it never felt like work. It always felt like a, a bunch of buddies throwing ideas around and getting it done. Thank you to everyone for listening to the third episode in Fantasyland's pilot miniseries. Check out our first two episodes, Spreadsheets and Girls, if you haven't yet, and be on the lookout for more episodes coming soon. Thanks to all of our great guests in this episode, Matthew Berry, Greg Rosenthal, Evan Silva, Chris Wessling, Rick Wolf, Mike Clay, Pat Doherty, and Adam Leviton. Also, thanks to Roto World for syndicating this episode. Check the show notes or the write-up on rotoviz.com slash fantasyland for links to learn more about these great guests. Also, thanks to our sponsors, No Halftime and WhipDog.com. Be sure to take advantage of their special offers to Fantasyland listeners. You can subscribe to Fantasyland on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And also, please rate and review the show. It really helps us find new listeners and spread the word about this new podcast. Right now, you can listen to all of our episodes on both the Fantasyland and Rotoviz Radio podcast channels. Thanks to Rotoviz Radio for syndicating our pilot miniseries. You can also contact us via email at fantasylandpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the show and be sure to follow us on Twitter at fantasylandpod. You can also find all of our episode write-ups and previews as well as other odds and ends at rotoviz.com slash fantasyland. Our producers are Matthew Friedman and Fantasy Douche. Our associate producer is Patrick Corain, and I'm your host, Peter Overzet. (laughs) 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.